British Embassy, Vienna, June 29, 1914. Sir, the Archduke Franz Ferdinand and the Duchess of Hohenberg were both murdered yesterday morning by a Slav nationalist or anarchist at Sarajevo. His Imperial Highness had left Vienna on Tuesday evening, 23rd June, on his journey to Bosnia. He embarked on Wednesday morning at Trieste on board the battleship Viribus Unitas, proceeded on Thursday morning on board a smaller vessel up the river Narenta to Metkovich in Dalmatia, where he took the train for Mostar, the Herzegovian capital, and after a drive round the town, continued his journey to Ildiz, a small Bosnian watering place near Sarajevo, where the Duchess of Owenburg was awaiting him. On Friday and Saturday, 26th and 27th June, the Archduke was present at the mountain exercises of portions of the 15th and 16th Army Corps, which took place immediately to the south of Sarajevo. Yesterday, Sunday 28th June, His Imperial Highness, after attending Mass at Ildiz, proceeded by train with the Duchess to Sarajevo, as arranged, for the purpose of making a progress through the town and receiving loyal addresses. On their way from the station to the town hall, the Archduke accounts states that a bomb was thrown at them but was warded off by the Archduke, exploding behind the Imperial motor car and wounding slightly the two officers who occupied the next car, and more or less seriously some 20 persons in the crowd of onlookers. At the town hall, speeches were exchanged between the Burgermeister and the Archduke the latter expressing his satisfaction at the cordiality of his reception and alluding to the failure of the dastardly attempt on his life. Undeterred, it is said, by suggestions that it would be wiser to abandon the remainder of the program, His Imperial Highness and the Duchess proceeded in the direction of the town museum, or as some accounts have it, of the hospital to which the wounded had been carried after the bomb. Outrage. A man ran in from the crowd and fired rapidly several shots from a browning pistol into the car. The Archduke's jugular vein was severed, and he must have died almost instantaneously. The Duchess of Owenburg was struck in the side and expired immediately after reaching the Konak, to which both were carried. The governor, General Potierik, who had also conducted the maneuvers and was with them in the car, was unhurt. A few steps from the scene of the murders, an unexploded bomb was found. It is presumed that it was thrown away by a third conspirator on perceiving that the second assault had been successful. From what has hitherto come to light regarding the atrocious crime, it is conjectured that the murdered pair were probably the victims of a carefully prepared plot. The Archduke, it is true, is known to have been a sympathizer with the aspirations of the subject nationalities of the Emperor, insofar as these can be regarded as reasonable and capable of realization without peril to the unity of the dual monarchy. He had, been given he had been given, therefore, according to all accounts, an enthusiastic reception at every stage of his journey through Dalmatia, Herzegovina, and Bosnia. Even the opposition press had accorded him a welcome, with the exception of the Narod, a Serbian irredentist organ, which had made no allusion to the Archduke's visit, but published instead, on a sheet bearing the Serbian colors, a glowing article in commemoration of the Battle of Kosovo, which marked the downfall of the Serbian Empire before the Turkish onslaught in the 14th century. A telegram from Agram appears this morning in the official Fremdenblatt to the effect that since the intention of the heir apparent to attend the Bosnian maneuvers became known. A violent pan-Serbian agitation has been raging in the Serbo-Croatian capital.
The Archduke is said to have been warned in vain against undertaking his projected journey and to have himself endured to dissuade the Duchess from meeting him in Bosnia. Her Highness was, however, determined to share the danger with her husband. The Agrari telegram proceeds to state that since 1908, the year of the annexation, the revolutionary Serbian organization has displayed an ever-increasing activity. That Kabrivich and Princip, the first of whom threw the bomb and the second fired the pistol, are said to be members of the terrorist great Serbian organization, and that in Ingram no one doubts that a carefully prepared plot had been set on foot against the Archduke. Those who remembered the circumstances of the notorious Agram and Dr. Friedenhung trials in 1908 and 1909, when the efforts of the Austro-Hungarian government to justify the expected war with Serbia by publishing proofs of a widespread irredentist Serbian plot so woefully break down, will hesitate to accept without adequate proof wholesale denunciations of the Serbian patriotic societies, which may now be expected to be made. Though Vienna is outwardly very calm, all public performance has have stopped, and at Brunn, the capital of Moravia, where a great Sokol, or Slav nationalist gathering of gymnasts, was being held, and some fears prevailed of a conflict with simultaneous demonstrations, both sides seem to have agreed to stay further proceedings in sight of mourning. The news of the murders was broken about midday yesterday to the Emperor at Ischl, where His Majesty had arrived only the day before. His Majesty has thus lived to see his nephew and heir added to the list of his nearest relations who have died violent deaths. His Majesty returned to Vienna today. He has made a most happy recovery from his re recent severe illness. I have, in co, Maurice Denham. Postscript. On the morning of June 28, 1914, Archduke Franz Ferdinand and his wife, Sophie, entered the city of Sarajevo by train. They transferred into a convertible, the third car in a six-car motorcade, for a procession to a welcome ceremony at City Hall. The Archduke, heir to the Habsburg throne, knew that his visit to Sarajevo carried risks. Many in Bosnia and Herzegovina had still resented the Austro-Hungarian Empire for its 1908 annexation of their homeland. Recent actions by the region's provincial governor to quell dissenters, which included banning cultural societies, only amplified these tensions. The inflammatory risk reason for the Archduke's visit to oversee military exercises by the annexing army put him even further at risk. Nevertheless, the Archduke proceeded with his trip, even lowering his convertible's roof and driving slowly to give spectators a clear view of their royal visitors. To the six assassins working along the Archduke's route, these carefree decisions seemed almost too perfect. Yet, when one of those assassins lobbed a grenade towards the Archduke's car, it bounced off, detonating beneath the next car in the procession. The blast wounded spectators and the occupants of the second car, but the Archduke and his wife arrived at the welcome ceremony, shaken but unscathed. At City Hall, some of the Archduke's aides urged him to stay put while they arranged for additional security. Lining the roads of Sarajevo with some of the 70,000 soldiers assembled for the exercises was discussed, but dismissed. The Archduke refused to let the assassination attempt derail his trip. After delivering his planned speech at City Hall, adding a few angry adlibs about his hostile welcome, he and Sophie proceeded in their same open-topped car towards the local hospital to visit with the victims of the morning's blast.
inevitably, the stubborn refusal to adapt led to disaster. After the Archduke's driver made a wrong turn and attempted to reverse, his car stalled near the southern nor northern entrance to the Latin Bridge, a 16th century stone bridge across the river Miyaka. Standing just feet away was Graviro Princep, a 19-year-old Serb from the same group as the morning's grenadier. Taking advantage of his good fortune, Princep approached the car, raised his pistol, and fired two shots at the Archduke and his wife, killing them both. This week's letter was written by Sir Maurice de Bunsen, British ambassador to Austria, one day after the assassination. In his letter, de Bunsen shares with Sir Edward Grey, Britain's longtime secretary affairs, what he'd learned about the killing and the Austrian reaction to it. He describes this slaying as a carefully prepared plot and speculates as the motive of the plot and its political consequences. Throughout Europe, diplomats joined him in debating how Austria might respond to the slaying. Some anticipated a major war, but others believed the Austrian response would be more muted. Sir Arthur Nicholson, permanent undersecretary for of state for foreign affairs, opined to de Bunsen that while the crime at Sarajevo was certainly a terrible one and shocked everybody here, I trust it will have no serious political consequences in any case outside of Austro-Hungary. In his letter, de Bunsen predicts the fight would be that would dominate the next few weeks of headlines and political discussions, Serbia's culpability in the killing. Princep and his associates had claimed to be homegrown radicals, fighting to free Bosnia from an oppressive foreign power. Austrian authorities disputed this, asserting instead that the assassins were trained operatives of the Serbian military. They had some reasonable evidence to support this claim. Princep and his co-conspirators had received training, weapons, and funding from the Black Hand, a secret nationalist society led by officers of the Serbian military. Serbia, for its part, denied official involvement. Yet beyond the evidence, as de Bunsen alludes, Austria had a political motive for implicating the Serbian government in the plot. As the American minister to Romania put it in a note to Secretary of State William Jennings Bryan, the murder of the Archduke provided Austria with a convenient causes belly to forcefully neuter Serbia, which was proving to be an increasingly powerful and troublesome military rival. On J July 23rd, Austria-Hungary sent Serbia a diplomatic ultimatum formally blaming Serbia for the Archduke's murder and demanding that several conditions be met within the next two days to avoid war. The conditions were clearly unworkable and an affront to their sovereignty, so Serbia refused. Attempts by Sir Edward Grey to persuade the parties to engage in peaceful mediation with the help of the disinterested continental powers also failed. On, on July 28, Austria-Hungary began formally declared war. They began shelling Belgrade the next day, and within a week, Russia, Germany, Belgium, France, and Britain had joined in the fight. The Great War was underway. The outbreak of the war did not grind the swift wheels of the Austro-Hungarian justice system to a halt. If anything, it accelerated the effort to try those responsible for the Archduke's murder. The trial of the principal conspirators began on October 12th, consuming with their conviction on October 23rd. Austria-Hungary forbade ex executing those under the age of 20, so Princip was given the longest sentence allowed by his age, 20 years, though this was a less merciful fate than it sounds. For the duration of his time in prison, Princip was kept chained to the wall of his cell in solitary confinement. He contracted tuberculosis shortly into his sentence, passing away in his cell on April of 1918.